finishing up Paul's purpose here as he's writing the beginning of the book here of Romans. And you say, it's another message on soul winning. We hear a lot of those, and sometimes it feels like that's all I preach uh, several times in a row. Well, next week, you will get the wrath of God. So that's the message next week, and uh, the one more week here on Paul's purpose uh, as we're looking at he is not ashamed of the gospel. I'm thankful for that, that passage there. Um, but I don't think it's ever a bad thing for us to be reminded about the last thing that Jesus told us to do, which is to go and to all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And uh, Paul Chapel, a preacher that I look up to, he, he says, keep the main thing the main thing. And that's something I desire to do as a pastor here as we lead the church to make sure we have a focus for souls, trying to reach people for the cause of Christ. So let's stand together, uh, Romans chapter 1. And we're going to have a little bit of overlap uh, with what we ended up with last week. We'll, we'll look at it a little more in depth uh, from what we did two weeks ago, excuse me begin reading here in verse 14. He says, I am debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. So as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are in Rome also. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Not ashamed of the gospel. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. God, we thank you for what you've given us. God, the privilege that it is to be here together on the Sunday evening and worship you and praise your name through song. Encourage one another in fellowship. But God, as we're now here with your word in our hands, I pray that we are ready to receive, God, whatever it is you have for us. God, I pray that we would apply it. And, oh, Lord, live by it, be purposed, God, to reach souls for you. Be with me as I preach. Lord, I need you. I need your help, your strength. And, God, I pray that you help me as I preach this message tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. I'm enjoying experiencing my first spring here in West Texas. Uh, it's a different landscape than I've ever lived in before. And uh, uh, I don't know how I feel about, you know, 96 or what my car said 100 degrees this afternoon driving back to church. I don't know how I feel about that quite yet. Uh, that's not as hot as it gets is what everybody is telling me. Uh, but, you know, sitting in my office there and watching these desert plants bloom, I've enjoyed that. And over the last couple of weeks, we've seen the yuccas here. They've, they've started to bloom. And that's just a, a beautiful bloom that comes off of that. And uh, that one outside of my office window, I'm not quite sure what that is, but it's, it's tall and it has these little red flowers. Okatia. I'm going to tell people that and sound real smart. Okatia. But anyways, I've enjoyed watching that. And uh, there's something special about God's creation producing fruit as it should. You know, two weeks ago, we were helped by the example of Paul, and we looked at some characteristics of faithfulness in his life and what that faithfulness brought, and one of the results of that faithfulness was fruit. And we referenced when the Bible mentions fruit, there's usually one of three things in mind. The first one is an attitude, and we spoke of the fruit of the Spirit. We can look in Galatians, and if we are a Christian, our attitude is going to be different. That'll be evidence or fruit of being a Christian. The next one is our walk. As we live the Christian life, as we have a walk with Christ, as we live for him, there's going to be activity that comes from that. There's going to be holy living, there's going to be praise, there's going to be giving. That is fruit in our walk or or our activity, excuse me. And then the last one is the fruit of increasing. And that's the addition of souls to the family of God. And this is the fruit that Paul was after here 
as he's telling us his purpose and his desire and his, where his mind was when it came to souls. His purpose was to bear spiritual fruit. He wanted to go to Rome. He had a great desire to one day be able to go there and to see people in Rome receive Christ as their Savior. You know, we, in Indiana, we have a lot of farms. I know there's some farms here as well. And a farmer will buy and they will store and maintain farm equipment for the purpose of growing crops. And their purpose with that farm is to bear fruit. The purpose isn't to see how many beautiful tractors they can have on the lot or uh, how many excavators they could have, how many, uh, you know, watering devices they could, they could have. My mind is, is uh, blank at the moment. How many silos they can have. All those things, it's not the equipment, it's not the, the necessarily even the property, the buildings. The, the thing they are most desiring and the thing that shows success for them is the fruit or the crop produced in the land. And every one of us in our Christian life should have a desire to bear spiritual fruit. And if we are fruitful individually, there's going to be newly saved Christians and and growing Christians in this church. If our church is going to be fruitful for the cause of Christ, there's going to be people in different stages of spiritual development. There's going to be people uh, in different uh, relationships with God in terms of their faith, their trust, their responsibilities. That is a healthy, fruitful church. And Christians, we should have the desire to share the gospel of Christ. You know, the Bible says, Jesus said in John 15, Herein is my Father glorified that ye bear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciples. So Paul's desire, as we've looked at here in the, in the first chapter of, Rome, of Romans, is to have fruit from his preaching and then to see it in the lives of the people he's helped disciple. And we can look in the, in the book of Philippians, and Paul wrote to the church of Philippi that he wanted them to have spiritual fruit on their account in heaven, not just his. He wanted fruit for his life, but he wanted the people he was discipling, the people he was training to have fruit in heaven for what they did. You know, Paul said, I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound in your account. He wanted God to reward them. He wanted fruit to be on their account as well for the things they had done or what they had given uh, for the mission's work. You know, later in the book of Romans, in chapter 16, verse 5, he, he says, likewise, greet the church that is in, in, in their house, Priscilla and Aquila. Salute my well-beloved Eponidas, who is the first fruits of Achaia unto Christ. Some more fruit from the work. The purpose of our Christian life, one of the, the greatest purpose of it, is to not only glorify God, but to be fruitful for the work of God. So Southwest Baptist Church should be bearing fruit. There should be, we should be have, seeing people saved and, and baptized and discipled and having members doing what we are commissioned to do. And if we truly want to be faithful, fruitful, a mentality must be adopted. And it's one that is evident that Paul had in his life. Now, the first thing we see there in verse 14, we referenced it a couple weeks ago shortly, but he says, I am a debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and the unwise. You know, as Paul desired to be fruitful, he realized he was a debtor and he had a personal responsibility with the gospel. He calls himself a debtor. That means he had a moral obligation to share the gospel. If we are a debtor to a bank or to an individual, we have a moral obligation to pay back the debt. And if we are a debtor with the gospel, we have a moral obligation to share the gospel. Based on Paul's blessings as a Christian, he felt that he owed others hearing the gospel and receiving what it is that he received. 
It was just, there was this man named John Currier who in 1949 was found guilty of murder and he was sentenced to life in prison and he uh, was well behaved there in the prison. He was transferred and paroled to work on a farm near Nashville, Tennessee for the rest of his sentence. In 1968, almost 20 years after he was originally sentenced, his sentence was terminated and there was a letter sent with that good news to him but he never saw the letter and he was never told anything about the letter. And he continued there 10 years after his sentence was terminated, 10 years after he was stated to be free, continuing to work until that old farmer had died. And after those 10 years, the parole officer heard that he was still there and he learned about his situation. He found him and he told him his sentence had been terminated. He was a free man. And as we think about that story tonight, would it matter to you if someone sent you an important message? Maybe the most important message you've ever heard in your life, and year after year, that message wasn't delivered. If, if we are saved, we've received that letter. If we're saved and, and we have an understanding of what our commission is to do and, and what God desires for the world, we have a responsibility to proclaim it to other people. So are we doing all we can do to get the message out? You know, Paul had a personal responsibility, and all Christians, just like he had the responsibility, are debtors with Paul. You know, not everyone has the knowledge of God. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians, awake to righteousness and sin not. For some have not the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. Remember, we talked about this morning how they felt in, 2 Corinthians, in the letter to 2 Corinthians. They, they were brought to a point of sorrow, and that sorrow led them to repentance. One of the things he told them was, you're not doing your job with the Great Commission. You know, 1980, Gallup poll indicated that out of uh, evangelical American believers, only 2% of that group had introduced a person to Christ. That was in 1980. You know, millions of surveys have helped to been taken around the world and it indicates possibly 98% of Christians do not regularly introduce others to the Savior. You know, I don't think it's gotten better since then. You know, David Brainerd, he said, I care not where I go or how I live or what I endure so that I may save souls. When I sleep, I dream of them. When I awake, they are first in my thoughts. There's many Christians that are going through life having never given the gospel to someone else, having never led another person to the Lord. And, and Paul here is saying, I am a debtor. It's not just a personal responsibility, it's a global responsibility. You know, the gospel is not limited to one eth eth ethnic, ethnic or cultural group. In Paul's day, the early church was, was a bunch of Jews that had reached the Gentile world. These disciples, these, these Jews, they spread out and they went to as many people as they could. Paul, another Jew, went to as many people as he could to spread the gospel. And Paul preached to the, the Greeks, the civilized, the barbarians, the foreigners, the wise, the unwise, the free, those enslaved, the wealthy, the poor, the mighty, the powerless. All people. And Christians are supposed to go to all, whatever their condition. You know, we mentioned this morning the state of America and our society, the community even that we live in. All the sins that are rampant, all the temptations that are out there, all the strongholds people have. 36% of all marriages in the U.S. end in divorce. Suicide rate has increased an average of 30% a year the last 20 years. 
the LGBTQ agenda that's being pushed in schools and, and colleges. We see the critical race theory. We see the liberal, wicked philosophies being taught. And the devil is working overtime to do anything he can to try to keep people from hearing that truth that we've been entrusted with. All cultures, all languages need to hear. Everyone deserves to hear the gospel. Jesus said, go ye into all the world. I don't think it's a stretch for me to say that all of us in the next 24 hours will have one, at least one opportunity to share the gospel. You know, we look at the world we live in, the last few years have brought more uncertainty than ever. And we live in a, in a society and in a country where people are actively seeking the truth. They're searching for it. They're wondering what is true, what is not. They're, they're, they're getting more and more curious. They're wanting to know what there is beyond this life. And it is our responsibility to give it to them. I want you to think right now of a person in your circle that needs to know the gospel. And in that circle... All the, all the people you are acquainted with in that circle, if you don't tell that person who in that circle will, we are indebted. You see, we are debtors. The second thing, we must have an eagerness to share the gospel. And we look at verse 15, he says, So, as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. I saw this, this story about a barber who had just been recently saved in a revival meeting. And the next morning at work, he was there and just very much wanting to share his new faith and witness to the lost. And his first customer came in and the barber began to shave him. And that barber had the, his, this man down there in the chair laid, laid back and he had that, that razor blade to his neck. And he said, are, are you ready to meet God? <laughs> He's a little eager. His approach needed some help. But he was ready. You know, Paul is here saying, as much as in me is, I am ready. That, that word ready, as he spoke about a couple weeks ago, it means to be eager. And Paul is basically saying, I can't wait till I can get there so I can preach the gospel there just like I have in other places. And as he's writing to them, he's excited about his call. Paul's excited about his commission. He, he understands that he is indebted. He is an excited Christian. And, and I want to encourage you tonight, every single one of us, need to be excited about the gospel. You know, we, we have been entrusted with something precious. We've been, we've been entrusted with something that is the, the greatest news, the greatest thing anyone could ever come to understand. And, and so often we, we understand our duty and, and we'll pass out a track or we'll invite somebody to church, but how often is what should be an eagerness or an excitement to do that more of a hesitancy? Or just us fulfilling our duty, we're not sure of the outcome, we're a little worried about it, we might be a little embarrassed. It's not always comfortable to do that. We often lack a certain excitement when it comes to witnessing. You know, there's many other things, in your, there's many things in your life, there's many things in, I, in my life that it's not too hard for me to get excited about. There's a lot of things that I like to do. I, I love sports. I, I'm, I'm excited to watch certain games, and I'm excited to, to go play golf. I'm excited to uh, go on a hike, go, go see some things I've never seen before, go on some sort of adventure. Those things excite me. 
You have certain things in your life that excite you or things that you look forward to. I have no problem doing those things. But the greatest thing that ever happened to me in my life, how often have I not had the excitement or eagerness that I should have had to get it to those who need it? How much work have I put in to get the gospel to people? I want you to think back the last, you know, 20, 30 years. I'm going to give you a certain product, and I want to see if you can help me with the motto or the slogan that goes with that, okay? Beef. It's what's for dinner, okay? Milk. Does the body good. There's so many of them. Pork. The other white meat. Give me a break. Give me a break. Break me off a piece of that. We can think of many different things like that. We can think of our, our world the last several years. Vaccinations have been pushed from every angle. You go on your phone, you see something about a reminder about a shot. You go to the doctor, they're telling you. You see billboards, you see ads on television. Millions of do- dollars are, are daily put into educating people on products or sending people out door to door to tell people about something so they can understand the risk of certain diseases or giving knowledge of certain vaccinations available. And people and companies will put a lot of time and effort to encourage something they truly believe can save a life to build a business to promote a company. But why is it so hard for Christians to have the same energy or urgency to get the gospel to those who do not have it? We need to be willing to put the work in. We need to be excited to give people uh, what we have been given in God, be just as passionate about the gospel as we are about the, the politics we may look to or the beliefs we may have or the, our favorite products that, that we use. Because one day our life is going to end and one day the people we have an opportunity to witness to, their lives are going to end and it is going to be too late. We need to do the work now. You know, Jesus said, say not ye there yet four months, and then come with harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. And, and, and Midland and Odessa is ready for harvest. There's people right now searching, needing God, to, God in their life. They just don't know what it is they're missing. Where is our urgency? I'm, I'm guilty of this as well in, in my life. It's easy for us to get comfortable and take for granted what we have, but what we have is better than, what, than, than anything anybody else could ever receive. You know, there wasn't just an urgency in Paul. Paul was also prepared. You know, turn, to, turn to 1 Peter chapter 3. You know, Paul, his heart was prepared. And he had a message to preach. You see, he was ready to preach the gospel. He knew exactly what it is he was going to deliver. As we look at 1 Peter chapter 3, Peter knew the need to be ready with an answer. And we can follow that example Peter has and have an, a ready answer of hope. Look at 1 Peter chapter 3 verse 15. He says, but sanctify the Lord God. May, may set aside a special place for the Lord God in your hearts. And be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. There are going to be many moments in your life that people are going to reach out to you 
because they've seen you deal differently in a situation than they would have dealt, dealt in that situation. They've seen a joy in your heart in certain circumstances that they are missing in those circumstances. They may, they may just know that you are willing to give up a whole day every weekend to go to church two times, to go early for certain practices or different ministries, and you're happy doing that because there's a hope within you that many people are lacking. And, and, he, and he says, be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you the reason of the hope that is within you. Are we always ready? Or are we always aware of those circumstances or the, the need for that? There, there's a good chance tonight that maybe someone in here has never led a person to Christ. And, I, and I'm not saying that to make anybody feel bad, but what I'm asking you now, if you haven't, have you done anything yet to grow in your witness? Have, have you done anything, as he says, to be ready to give an answer? Now, there, there's... We, there's you know, avenues, there's different things we can do to train, and I plan on having those things here, here shortly. There's people here that would love to take you out with them. Any of you men, I would love to go soul winning with you any night of the week. My wife, the same thing. She'd love to go with any of the women. Go out together, knock some doors, go walk around, meet some people. Do you know the Romans Road? You know the verses needed to lead a person to Christ? Are you ready to give an answer? We look at Paul's spirit and Paul's preparedness here, and but we also see his boldness. What does he say there in verse 16? For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. He was not ashamed of the gospel. Now when it comes to our witness, when it comes to us uh, reaching others with the gospel, many different reasons come to our mind on why we don't, why we won't, or why we haven't. Some, some people may think, you know, if I talk to them, it might do more harm than good. I might confuse them. Or I, I don't know what to say to that person, to that question. Or I may not be able to give them answers to the tricky questions they're going to they're have. Or if I tell them that I'm better off than them, I may come across bigoted. You know, that's a personal question for me to ask them about heaven or hell. And if they know that's invading their privacy, I'm, I'm afraid I might fail in it. I'm afraid that I might look like a hypocrite because these people have heard me laugh at something I shouldn't or talk about something I shouldn't or treat people in a way that isn't, isn't right. Now, years ago at a Billy Graham crusade, they, they asked people, what is your greatest hindrance to witnessing? And 9% said they were too busy to remember to do it. You know, 28% they felt a lack of real information to share Nobody said they didn't care, but 12% said their own lives were not speaking as they should. But the largest group, 51% of the people, said their biggest problem was fear of how the person would react if they were asking. You know, we, none of us like to be rejected. None of us like to be ridiculed or uh, looked at as, as weird or like, as an oddball. But Paul was not ashamed. And, and you know... One reason I really think he wasn't ashamed, not just because he was indebted, but he says, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. We have a powerful resource. That, that, that Greek word for power is the word dynamis. It's the word that we would get our translation of dynamite from. You know, I th many of us would say, you know what, I just don't think I can. It's, it's too big of a deal, it's too important, the task is hard, I'm not capable to do it. Listen to this, and, and write this down if you're taking notes. The duty ahead of us 
is never greater than the power working in us. The duty ahead of us is never greater than the power working in us. God's power is always enough. If we live by his spirit, whatever it is he's called us to do or instructed us to do, we can. We look at Jesus as he spoke to them in the book of Acts chapter 1 verse 8 and he says, he reminds them, ye shall receive power. After that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. The power was given first and then they were to go out. There's a missionary speaking at a medical college. I think I've shared this with you before. I want to share it again. But he was preaching to this Bible college in India on Matthew chapter 5. And he said, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. And as he preached there in India, in front of this lectern that he was using was an oil lamp. And this wick was burning with a shallow dish of oil. And as he preached, the lamp ran out of oil. Right as he's preaching on letting their light shine and he immediately used that as an opportunity and he looked at the people around him and he said some of us are like this wick we're trying to shine for the glory of God but we do not have the source of power wicks can last indefinitely burning brightly without irritating smoke if the fuel is there and every one of us can be a powerful witness for God every one of us can make a difference for God in, in, in the way of life that we have and the, in the places that we go and the people that we meet, if we realize we are not needing, there's no need for us to operate in our own strength or in our own power, in our own capabilities, but if we depend on the source of power that we need, which is God, witnessing by his spirit. Now God has given us everything we need, and the power of the gospel is enough. So, you know, I'm, not, I'm just not good at speaking. We have the excuse of our speech. You know, God can calm your nerves and God can use you to get the message out. Maybe you say the person I want to give the gospel to is, is too hardened to the things of God. He's given us an answer for that. He says thy word is a, as a hammer that shattereth the rock in pieces. What's another illustration of the Bible that we have? The, the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword that can pierce anything, right? What about the one, I'm, I'm just not enough. I'm not good enough. I'm inadequate. What's the verse we used this morning that Paul said? What did Jesus tell him? My grace is sufficient. Everything you need is always enough. We look in Exodus chapter 3 and we find Moses there at the, the fiery bush. And as God was speaking to him, God had a call on his life. And Moses gave God all kinds of reasons why he couldn't. Remember that? Who am I going to tell them sent me? How am I going to do this? Uh, Pharaoh said, Pharaoh's not going to listen. They won't hear me. They won't go. And eventually God said, Moses, what is in your hand? And he said, a rod. And he, he told them to put it on the ground, and that rod became a serpent. He said, I want you to take your hand, and I want you to put it in your coat. And Moses did that. He pulled it out. It was covered in leprosy. He put it back in. It was pure. God was telling him at that moment, he says, he goes, what is in your hand? A rod. And God was going to take that stick and do something incredible with it. And that was an example, an illustration to Moses that if God can use a rod, God could use Moses. God can use you. God can use this church to reach our area for Christ. But it's not going to happen in our own power. 
Are, are we ready to produce fruit for God? There's opportunities available. We have, we're going to have scheduled times here uh, weekly. I'm hoping here before too long we'll have two different opportunities a week. It's not going to be required for everybody to be at both times. We want, we want to have several options. Right now in your life, you could, I, I just want to encourage you, target one person. I know the ladies have been doing that in the ladies' Bible study, and they have a list that they're praying for. We've already seen fruit from that list. Just one person we're praying for, one person we're targeting. Who do you know in your life right now that you could target? We've got a tracks out there in the lobby. We're going to have another track here soon. I ordered it over a month ago. It's still not in. But it's how to get to heaven from Texas. It's got our Texas colors. It's got some some uh, oil rigs on it and I think a cowboy on a horse that looks very much like Texas. We have resources available. We have responsibility to produce fruit as God has created us to produce it. So understand you're a debtor, have an eagerness to share, realize there's power available, then have faith that a great result will come. It says, for therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. The product of the gospel in the life of a believer is righteousness. Man has two problems. Many men think they are righteous enough, and then they think they are acceptable to God. And those who think that are completely wrong, and we believe that. Man is not righteous. Man cannot produce righteousness by self-will or their own works. But when someone is saved, God can take that sinner and then declare them to be righteous because of the blood of Jesus. So what man cannot do by effort, God can do by his power. What, What are the things all men are looking for in religion or their belief system? They're looking for peace. They're looking for acceptance. They're looking for good relationships. You know, all are given to the believer when they receive the gospel. And that's a message worth sharing. That that phrase we see from faith to faith, what does that mean? The believer's life is to be one of faith in God. And as the believer's life is lived in faith, the righteousness of God is revealed in that life of faith from the beginning faith at salvation to the ending faith. So faith is to be our way of living. And as Paul went through his life, he was able to do these things because of his faith in God, because of his faith in what God could do through him, even with his incapabilities, even with that that thorn in the flesh that he had, even with his limitations, God used him because he had faith in God. Faith is the way for us to make a difference. We've been given a gospel worth believing. We've been given a gospel worth sharing. Does anybody recognize the name Payne Stewart? Anybody recognize that name? He's a famous golfer. In, in 1999, his pilot and co-pilot went unconscious on, the, on his private jet, and it eventually crashed. Air traffic controllers, they are trying to get in touch with the pilots and try to communicate them, so they sent two Air Force jets when they couldn't get a hold of them to investigate. And they pulled alongside Payne Stewart's jet, and they couldn't see any movement in the cockpit. The windows had all been fogged up. Some, somehow the cabin lost air pressure and the cold air from the stratosphere had gotten in and then the plane ran out of fuel and eventually crashed. 
And one of those pilots, he said this, he said, it's very helpless feeling to pull alongside another aircraft and realize the people inside potentially are unconscious or in some other way incapacitated. And there's nothing I can do physically from my aircraft, even though I'm 50 to 100 feet away to help them. He said it was a helpless feeling to be beside that plane and there's nothing I could do to fix it. Now tonight there's a runaway plane with nothing to stop it from heading to hell. But the difference is we can do something about it. We have what that person needs. God has given us clear instructions. God has promised to give us everything we need to get the tasks done. So understanding that tonight, the only question is, are we willing, are we committed, do we feel indebted to get the gospel out? Let's pray. Lord, we love you. God, we thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you, Lord, for this message of, of Paul tonight. And God, I, I thank you, Lord.